0: Hello. You look awfully good for somebody that feels the way you feel.
1: Um, I had a good 24 hours, so I think I've turned the
0: corner. Oh, good. Hang on. Turning on the light. Oh, that's okay. Oh, good. 24 hours makes a huge difference, I think.
1: Yeah, I was... uh, I was getting a little concerned. I am not a good sick person.
0: Mm, No, no, you have to. It's an acquired skill.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So um, for those of you joining us, I have been um, battling with a little COVID here at home. Um, My oldest daughter decided to gift it to me. So and all the rest of the family. It, we, her and I were the only two that were sick. Oh, thank goodness. Yeah. Um, so, so uh, yeah, I think, I think if anybody was going to get it, we would have, they would have gotten it. By now, I think I was maybe five or six days out from her being sick. So, you know, the universe likes to do that. Keep mom healthy so I can take care of her. And then just when she's healthy, it's shebang.
0: <laughs> um, I loved the meme you sent me. God gave me COVID so I could understand what brain fog feels like. Yeah. Isn't that,
1: you know, and I, I owe that to you because at first I was like, no, 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 no. Like going through those, whatever steps of like grief, like denial and anger. And um, I can't be sick. And then it's like, well, yeah, nobody, this, this illness isn't sparing anybody, regardless of age, nationality, vaccination status, you name it, it's affecting people. So of course, um, I was fair prey. Um, but that was the first thing I thought of is, you know, all these flashes of what we've been talking about the past little while, but when people come in and they're feeling sorry for themselves, or they think that their history is like the worst thing that you're going to hear. And, you know, you're always saying to them, like, well, what have you learned from this? You've learned patience and empathy and, um, I would have never understood fatigue or brain fog the way I am understanding those symptoms right now.
0: When it's a word on a page, it's like fatigue. But when you're experiencing it, it's I can't lift my head off the pillow. I'm like, can't, not option. Yes. And there's a part of you that thinks or is afraid it's forever. I'll never get out of bed again. I'll never be well. Yes. And learning by being ill and then recovering and being ill and then recovering. And that's one of the benefits. You look at my, my medical history, and that's going to be part of the next book is like, there, there's almost nothing that people come in. I got to knock on wood and, Pray for not lightning, but it's like, yeah, I had that. Really? Oh, yep, yep. And it, and now and now you understand. So there's always a gift. So you learned that your household will not completely fall apart if you stay in bed for two days. Yes. How about that. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> so true. You know we and and patients can wait a week or two. And there's people you can refer them to and, and, and like the list goes on and on. Emails have piled up. And today was the first day that I thought, okay, I'm just going to make a list of what I'm going to tackle and that's it. And no more. And if I feel great, I'll I'll take the dogs for a walk. But um, I have a fantastic family doctor. So Dr. Shen, if you're listening, you are amazing. I had a video call with her on um, yesterday morning And she was so fantastic about, you know, and she said something really enlightening the other day. And she was talking about how she had a moment this weekend of when she was thinking, you know, when I was in medical school, I would have never thought in my wildest dreams that I would be in this situation with this pandemic. And these are things that you read about in history, but you never think that we're gonna have this in our day and age. And we're here in California and she was saying that, you know, she used to always think about the firefighters because fire season is something that was new to me when I moved to California. I didn't think that was a thing, but she was thinking about these poor firemen that, you know, like, do they know what they sign up for when they want to become a fireman and they're going to have to battle this? And she's like, I didn't know I was going to be on the front lines of a pandemic when I went to medical school, but that wouldn't have changed it for anything in the world. You know, just like the firemen, of of course they know their lives are on the line. Of course, police officers know this, and of course, like the list goes on. But, um, yeah, I just thought it was so nice of her to um, just talk about things like brain fog and fatigue, and no, like I don't need to be on a on a ventilator, and I don't need oxygen, and um, but these symptoms for me are
0: like debilitating. Yes. Well, you're the go-get'em dopamine girl. And like not dopamine, it's what's interesting to me because I'm a geek is interleukin-1. It's uh, the cytokine that if you inject it into a mouse, the mouse is not, I mean, the mouse has no injury. It's a perfectly healthy mouse. You inject a little bit of interleukin-1 into the mouse and the mouse goes and lays in his nest for 48 hours. Interleukin-1 is the, uh, it's the illness behavior, illness behavior. So yesterday and the day before, when getting out of bed was like not even an option, that's interleukin-1 doing its job. It's part of its job is to debilitate the, probably the dopamine receptors in your brain that want to go do stuff. It just overwhelms them and says, no, no, you're going to bed. Right, And it's like, okay, so being ill and recovering, you have a model that you can share with patients. It's yes. like, right? Yes, so mold patients get inflamed. Right. Dental infection patients get inflamed. You want to stay in bed, but you have to go to work. So you have eight, nine, ten hours if you count the commute. You've got 10 hours a day where you have to force yourself to perform. You feel, feel like shit. You feel bad.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then you go home and you have fast food on the way home and then you go to bed. And that is your life. And for the patients that have that life, I think it's helpful to be able to say, yeah, doesn't that just suck? Yeah. I, you, you have been heroic. And they hear that word, you have been heroic to go to work and maintain the schedule that you've maintained, even when they work part time, yeah. their body is telling them, go to bed. And the brain right. says, I'm sorry, I have a job. And when they hear that kind of compassion that you now have personally, and that I have personally, it's like, oh, oh, okay. Right.
1: Right. You know, and I used to um, if you look at my Instagram profile, I have a lot of running pictures because I love running and I get a lot of patients, um, local triathletes and patients from the Bay Area in California because they see that and they're like, I came to you because you get it. You're not going to tell me to rest. You're going to help me battle through and find a way to run. And I use that as my superpower. And now I have this other side because you're right. I did not relate to the people that came in that said, you know, I'm just so tired. I couldn't even go for a walk. Like, excuse me. What do you mean? You can't go for a walk. Like you should be able to run five miles. Um, and so I, I get it because I tried the day before I tested positive. I tried to go out for my six mile run.
0: Yeah. But that didn't work.
1: I got a mile out from my house and I,
0: I came home and you walked home.
1: I jogged very slowly and, um, I went right in the house and my daughter's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm taking a COVID test. She's like, you think you have COVID? I'm like, I know I do. And that was what tipped me off was just this inability to go. Yeah. And then all the other stuff. So the brain fog and the, um, This sinus pressure and congestion is like unlike anything I've ever experienced. I've had sinus colds. I've had terrible allergies. This is a whole other level.
0: And knowing the mechanics of it, because the virus, the COVID virus, the SARS-2 virus, hits the ACE2 receptor in the blood vessels. So sinus colds the virus colonizes in the mucus lining of your sinuses everybody has mucus lining in their sinuses the ACE2 receptor is in the blood vessels that feed the mucous membrane and the bone in the sinuses
1: mm-hmm.
0: and that's why it's so horrible is that the, the virus settles into the blood supply and then when it replicates and comes boiling out, there is hell to pay. There is a lot of, a lot going on. It's a very busy place yeah. and that's what. So to me anyway, it has always helped to understand the mechanism. What, what's causing the severity of the symptoms, why it is. I mean, it doesn't change what you do about it. And, but in the FSM world, it's why we treat, we don't, we treat the, we could have treated the frontal, the paranasal and the ethmoid sinus, because the ethmoid sinus is where the sense of smell goes away. Uh But we treat the capillaries and the blood vessels. Why? Because that's where the ACE2 receptor is, is in the blood supply. Right. And all of the organs that are affected. So the the flu respiratory organs and brain protocol that was created in 2020 that for the last almost two years now the report I I invented it out of my head and off of the frequency list right and the reports and I said let me know if it works well within three months we had reports back from practitioners who treated themselves because that's when the first wave came and they w- were sick enough that they went to the emergency room and the emergency room said uh, we're full go home wait for three days when you need a rest ventilator or respirator and we'll and then we'll find a place to put you but right now you're not sick enough so they have 103 104 fever they're having trouble breathing. Their liver enzymes are elevated because the organs that are affected are the kidney, the liver, the lung, the heart, and the brain, and the sinuses because it's, they're so well vascularized. So they go home and they, what do you do? You take vitamin C, vitamin D, and you run the respiratory flu protocol four times a day because you can't get out of bed. And in two days, you are symptom free. So that's how we found out the thing works. So it's it's been an interesting two years, but having something that, you know, will help. And then understanding the mechanism for why you feel so horrible. Right. Gives you permission to feel horrible.
1: Yes. You have permission. Yes. You're allowed. Yes. Right? Yeah. You know, and um, one thing that I was also, that came to my forebrain as it struggled for survival in the past couple of days is the expectation, that word expectation, you know, because right now we have this new wave and it's supposed to be mild, And we're, (laughs) and we're using this word mild. It's cold. Like it's mild, it's mild. It's almost asymptomatic. It would go unnoticed before. And maybe you're right. And maybe you're not, but I would have not gone. I could have not gone to work feeling the way I did even pre COVID. I would have been like, I am sick. I cannot function. I'm home. And you know, I have a friend, I have a friend of mine that was like, oh come on, it's mild. You could have easily gone running. <clears throat> uh, no.
0: Wait till you get it, Jack, and then talk to me. <laughs> right.
1: Sorry. So, you know, but again, this, re- this reminds me of the way that we speak with patients and the way patients relate their symptoms to to friends, you know, especially those that struggle with really like obtuse types of conditions like Lyme and mold, chronic fatigue. Lupus, any of the autoimmune things. Yeah, like dental infections and the or the expectation of how to recover, when to recover, what to take. We're all so unique. And like I said, with with COVID, it is affecting everyone and anyone in this whole myriad of of ways. And it's okay to have one symptom and be debilitated by it. You don't have to have 10 and be in the hospital and you don't You know, and the fear of long COVID or long haul symptoms is real. So again, thanks to my doctor that I did a video call with, um, you know, and that's the thing too. Like we have to stop Googling things and finding the horror stories and it's bad for people like you and I who see the worst of the worst, right? Because those are the stories that stay in your brain that make headlines and um, so I think just, you know, talking to the patients out there, it's so important to have that support group, you know, so when we talk about stable state and steady state, um, a big part of it is their network at home, that who do they have to talk to their symptoms about, or just have that person that's like, it'll be okay, I can, I can help you through this, or you just sit back and recover and I got dinner tonight. Those little things make a world of a difference.
0: Well, and there's a reason that God invented Grubhub <laughs> yeah. and DoorDash. There's yes, a, right. That's totally. It's there. Sometimes, when what they have is unfixable mm-hmm. or is difficult, you you have to find a way to have a life what is your life within these parameters? So I had a life for five, six, six years where I was taking oxycodone three times a day before my hip replacements because I was told that it would take six months. When in my life did I ever have six months? And then finally, so I was on a cane, on wheelchairs and oxycodone, wheelchairs and airports. And oxycodone for five years before my first hip replacement. And then my left hip dislocated, like dislocated, came out of the socket, tore the labrum two weeks after my right hip. So I was on canes, in wheelchairs, and airports, and still taking oxycodone for another year and a few months. Got the left hip replaced. And I still had a life. I I couldn't go running, couldn't ride a horse, right? And it's like, but you can have a life within the parameters of what you're able to do. There's a reason that God and Ben and medication. This patient I saw, did we talk about the Parkinson's patient last week? I don't think so. I finally had a Parkinson's patient I couldn't, couldn't do anything for. It's not that I couldn't fix him. I couldn't do anything for him. He had two or three years of very gradual, obvious Parkinsonian symptoms. And then one day, 10 years ago, woke up with moderate Parkinson's on his right side, horrible tremor, voice gone, shuffling gait, literally an exacerbation overnight with no cause that they could put up, no pesticide exposure no virus no head injury no nothing that would cause it's like okay so what have they done in 10 years they have they had his mercury taken out and they had him tested nobody did chelation on it okay that that's fine um, they did all sort of nutritional supplements. They did IVs. They've done every alternative therapy. They went to Stanford, saw a neurologist that I swear, they they saw a neurologist that, yeah, that's a good face, that didn't touch him, did not do a physical, that, yes, that face, did not touch him, did not do a physical exam, did not do the kind of physical exam that you do on a Parkinson's patient. I watched Maileen Hun in uh, Taiwan do a proper neurologic exam in five, six, 10 minutes. And I don't remember all of it, but I remember her testing for cogwheel rigidity. His right hand wouldn't move at all. So I tested his left hand, used the cogwheel rigidity in his left hand. The doctor at Stanford never touched him watched him walk, said, yeah, you have Parkinson's. Let's do a deep brain stimulator. And the wife who was able to talk said, whoa, 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 back up the truck. We're not going to do a DBS. And the guy said, well, have a nice life. Love you, bye. No medication, no no dopamine agonists. The patients are terrified because of Dr. Google. They're terrified of the long-term side effects of levodopa carbidopa. Well, it's dose related. You combine it and tweak it slowly so the guy can have a life right now. His wife has to feed him. Yeah. And he's he ran the business and she was the back office. So now anyway, so he I treated all of the things I do for Parkinson's neck feet 81 and 10 concussion in Vegas to try and get his speech better. Didn't work. Um, basal ganglia, all the basics, toxicities, smoothed out his left wrist a little bit, um, but it didn't hold. As after about five minutes, it got coggy again. The, the The, what do you call it? The money shot with Parkinson's is always 81 increased secretions in the basal ganglia, every single time. It stops the tremors, they walk normally, they smile, everything works. I did 81 and 988, increased secretions in the basal ganglia and his left wrist just seized up. Seriously? Okay, the basal ganglia can't be driven. It's been 10 years. By the time the first Parkinson's symptoms show up, 13, 14 years ago with the little resting tremor, 80% of the substantia nigra is already gone wow. by the time the first symptoms show up. Right. So at this point, there is no thing that is left to secrete hmm. and vitality in the substantia nigra and the basal ganglia smoothed it out. It's the only thing is body-liked and that stayed when he got up he walked a little better he he can run because running so he, we have video of him running up the driveway they can't walk running is controlled falling and it's done by a different part of the brain but uh, the end of 2 days 3 days 3 sessions 4 hours 2 hours 2 hours and a, thousand dollar bill. I had to tell they already had a custom care. I reprogrammed it. It was programmed by a very nice core level practitioner that had no idea what to do, and so I programmed this custom care. And I said, "You've there's you can't put tissue back. That's not there. You have avoided conventional medical approaches to Parkinson's. You need to find a neurologist that's not an idiot." And there's one in Springfield, Missouri, that does functional medicine and neurology, or you're in Montana, so you could go to Roger Billicum. Roger's taking new patients. It takes you a couple of months to get in, but it's if they're referred by some. So I said, it's it's time. And then I told them the medication I take. I'm functional because of about six meds that I take at night and baclofen that I take every four hours and FSM. So that's, you have, you have to, you can't, you can't get attached to one way of doing things. You can't be attached to never get a vaccine. You can't be attached to never use prescription medication. You can't be attached to I can fix everything with FSM. Right. Right.
1: When I was pregnant with my first daughter, I had like the birth plan. Right. I went to all the prenatal classes and the childcare classes, and I could have written a book on all these things. And um, I gave birth in Switzerland. So I was in Canada for all my prenatal stuff. And then I went to Switzerland and I met with um, my doctor and I met with the midwife who didn't speak very much English. And I, I walked into my hospital visit and I had my folder with my laminated cards on there. And, and I, I gave her a copy of it. And she's like, What is this? I'm like, this is my birth plan. This is, you know, how I want things to go. You know, I don't want drugs. I want this. And she's like, uh-huh. Took it and threw it in the trash. Right in front of my little eyes and heart. And I was like, what? And she's like, you have to be flexible. I'm like, okay. And that was my first lesson of you can have the best laid plans and you can be, I was so firmly attached to no epidural, no drugs, this, the blah, 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 blah. When the time comes, you have to be able to adapt and be flexible and get the nice drugs (laughs) if you need them. And, you know, so you're right that that's how it has to be with patients. And one of the things that I wrote down actually that I wanted to talk about was going back to that word expectation, when, and my question for you is, when do you, and I don't want to use the term give up on a patient, but how long do you give seeing somebody with very little results before you think or you say, I, I can't help?
0: It depends. That's a good question. It depends on the patient because having had so many, so much mileage with success and failure, um, there are There are times like I remember two patients within, it's like God sends them on a bus, you know, and they arrive two weeks apart. So you really get the picture. One of them was an MD who walked in beautiful woman wearing five inch heels, which you know what that does to your facets and your hips, right? And she's walking in with a limp And she walks in the door of my little office and I look at her and think to myself, this lady needs a hip replacement. And then she comes in and she says, I want to avoid a hip replacement. And it's like, okay, now this was after I had my hip replacement. So I knew how easy it was.
1: Right.
0: And that's a posterior approach. Right. So I knew how easy it was. I want to avoid a hip replacement. Let me see your x-rays. You look at the x-rays Her femoral head is full of cysts. She's got no cartilage left. I said, you came to the wrong place. I can keep you out of pain so you can sleep at night. You can take oxycodone so you can function in the daytime. The concept of wearing five inch heels when you have such severe osteoarthritis in your hip, and I don't even wanna talk about what your low back looks like. Um, You came to the wrong place. I know from experience, I can get rid of the pain as soon as you're off of the hip, but there are no susceptors. And so I guess I give up when you look at the objective findings and they're so severe by the time they get to you that there's no realistic expectation possible.
1: Right,
0: Easy patients like irritable bowel, inflammatory bowel disease, Crohn's, SIBO, and gastroparesis. Those are actually really easy in our world because you treat the small intestine for leaky gut. They have to buy a custom care. If they're on Medicaid, that's why we have pro bono patients, right? And... Treat them twice a week or three times a week for four to six weeks. Tell them they can no longer eat gluten, corn, or milk. I already do that, okay? And I'm on this candida diet. It's like candida is never, ever, 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 ever the problem. Right. Candida is pH sensitive. Right. Your vagus nerve creates stomach acid to balance the alkalinity put out by the pancreas. So you treat the vagus. Take uh, digestive enzymes with a little bit of HCl and take Saccharomyces to beat up the candida, and we'll take care of the. Yeah, it's candida is never the problem. Oh, goodbye. And then, so those impossible cases, twice a week, three times a week, for four to six weeks, they feel so much better after the first, and then they expect to be completely better without doing anything different. It's like, uh, no, no, we, we had this conversation. You're doing great. Well, I felt good for 24 hours. That's amazing. When was the last time you felt good for 24 hours? Right. Oh, yeah. So that's 40 and 89. Right. Right. That's the part of their brain that just objects to being sick. Yeah. Or remembers. All it, all it can remember is being sick and it turns on to, off the Vegas. So you just have to. That's why that's why there are custom cares. Right. Right. So when do you give up? I. The only reasonable answer is it depends.
1: I know. And I and I knew that as I was saying the words, but yeah. I think you know, like I said, I think for everybody and their mileage, you know, it's, it's so different, um, and what their specialty is and what they're happy with and what their comfort zone is. And when we see somebody who's outside of our comfort zone and outside of our scope, um, again, it goes along with, you can make a dent in it. And that's kind of, you know, what I like to say, I think I can make a dent in this at at some part of it going around or on the topic here with, complicated and expectations we had a really long question last week from one of our um, listeners who I'd asked to email me the question because I wanted to summarize it and condense it but I'm going to have to read it almost verbatim because it's it's a bit of a good history and I think it's actually it's it's quite fitting for us to discuss and so I'm just going to read it to you
0: and Can, can we before we go that direction yes can we circle back to COVID for just a second let's do it yeah, because um, I'm going to Cleveland tomorrow. Yes, and I need needed a booster. I'll probably get a booster before I go to Italy, assuming we go to Italy. Yep. And so I got a booster yesterday, and I can only take Janje. Yep. because of the preservatives that are in the other two, and um, so the first. Vaccine, that, and I never get vaccinated because I always treat vaccine complications. And the last three or four Guillain-Barre patients I've seen got their Guillain-Barre within two days to two weeks after a flu shot. Um, Transverse myelitis, all that stuff. So I, I never get vaccinated for anything. So, but this is, you have to get vaccinated. So I did And the first one I had flu-like symptoms within two hours. I slept for six hours. I ran the COVID protocol, took a bunch of vitamin C, went back to bed, slept for 10 hours, and I was fine. So I kept expecting, I got this shot at 5.30, 6 o'clock, 6.15 last night. I kept expecting to feel awful. And I came home and I'm doing all this stuff that needs doing and I'm, And I'm not feeling terrible. And it's like, oh, maybe I got away free this time. That would be good. Then I went to bed one o'clock in the morning. And at four o'clock, four o'clock in the morning, I woke up and I take baclofen for the autoimmune thing, but I woke up and my arms and my legs hurt. The 40 and 10 kind of hurt. Mm And I couldn't move my legs. I sent the message, move your legs. And my legs went, huh? And it was like, I have Gillian Bray. The bright, And nobody else would think of Gillian Bray because, but I put it together just because of mileage, That's having nice. treated people post-vaccine and knowing the blood supply. Go to Netter and look up the blood supply to the spinal cord. It's just, it's like a spider web, it's everywhere. It's like, oh my. So I went upstairs and got the precision care and actually put it on my picture. That's a whole nother conversation. Don't even get started. And I put 160 malignant virus in the spinal cord. I ran that. And then I ran 40 and 10, took and then went back to sleep. and woke up at quarter to nine, uh, quarter to 10 with no pain whatsoever. So vaccine reactions are either to the preservative or to the immune system activation because of the autoimmune disease I have. My spinal cord is a likely candidate for an immune system activation. But we have a frequency for that, 40 and 10, right? Mm -hmm. And I'd already run the flu respiratory and brain protocol. I'd already run that on myself when I first went to bed, but then I woke up with the arm and leg pain and I couldn't move my legs, but eventually I could. So I rolled over. Once you get moving, they move, but 40 and 10. So it's, That's why we've started talking about how to think through things, right? Right. It's, I'm laying there at four o'clock in the morning with pain in my arms and legs. I just got vaccinated. I have this in my spinal cord. This feels like 40 and 10. Oh, that's what it is. I have a frequency for that. Right. And we are having this conversation now because it worked. Right. Right? Yes. Okay. So that's
1: we are like these little kindred spirits like you're going like we both have COVID stories in the same
0: week like
1: I thought it was just a wardrobe thing but no 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 no
0: No. and I have a we have a practitioner that I met in the U.S. he was in the U.S. read the book texted me got my phone number because it's on the internet somehow texted me and I was in Germany so he texted me it was I don't know, 11 o'clock at night. And I was just going to bed and it's like, so I answered him and he was so into FSM and so excited. And then this text conversation, I woke up at three o'clock in the morning cause I'm 75, you know, I was 70 at the time. And he said, do you ever, what are you doing answering my texts? It's three o'clock in the morning. Do you ever sleep? <laughs> I just happened to wake up and here you are. So he's one of those people over the last probably eight years where I started thinking about him and within a week he texts and you're kind of the same way. We start thinking about things and all of a sudden, yeah, and there's probably five or 10 people in my life where that happens and they're in all different parts of the world. Isn't that cool?
1: Amazing. I love that. Yes. I'm just glad I'm one of those people. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. We're going to get to Nancy's question because I don't want to uh, no. not get to it this week.
0: Well, and it's okay. not atypical, right? It's not like we haven't seen patients with that kind of. No. Injury.
1: No. Okay. So here's Nancy's patient. Patient is 36 year old female who had an MVA in 2018. In early 2021, she had a, and I'm not sure if I'm saying this right, I never heard of it, Chiari decompression craniotomy. Wait, 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 wait,
0: wait, wait. 2001,
1: 18, MVA? 2000, yeah, MVA 2018, 36 okay. year old. 2021, she had a Chiari decompression craniotomy and C1 laminectomy to relieve head pressure. Oh, okay, wait. Okay. Oh, there's more. Part of the posterior skull bone was removed to make room for brain tissue. She stated procedure was to release head pressure due to motor vehicle accident. However, her MRI indicates the cause was congenital. She woke up from this procedure with low back pain that she never had before surgery and overall body pain. She also complains about pain at the tip of the coccyx while sitting. She rates this pain out of five. Yeah. She had steroid shots and radio frequency ablation to no relief.
0: No, wait, like, wait, wait, wait. Radio frequency RF of what? It what?
1: doesn't say. It just says steroid shots and radio frequency ablation. OK, no they
0: ablated. They either ablated the nerves, the occipital nerves, which is. Don't even get me started, um, or they ablated the joints at the tailbone. So before you proceed any further, because the further down this rabbit hole you go, the more you miss. Right. After the 2018 MVA, what this patient, what we're not getting in the history is what made them go look for Chiari. So after the 2018, I'm going to bet that she had a 40 and 10 pain diagram. She had pain in her hands and feet legs, arms, right? So they, and she had constant headaches. So she had ligamentous laxity. She's probably on the hypermobility scale. Piaris are associated with um, dural tension. So adhesions in the dura, adhesions in the spinal cord. And the theory is that the dura is kind of too short so it, because of where it, it attaches inside the skull and at the foramen magnum. Right. So it attaches and because it's too short, it pulls on the foramen, on the dura and the cerebellum and pulls them down through the, the Chiari malformation is the foramen magnum is basically too big. and the cerebellum gets sucked down in between them and creates pressure because as the cerebellum gets sucked down, there's not enough room for the spinal fluid to flow. So you get increased pressure in the ventricles because this is all squishy, so the patients seek this surgery to get rid of the headaches right. and get rid of the body pain.
1: Got it. She um, Nancy just wrote in that the ablation was on her lumbar. Of course
0: it was. Um, so I'm not seeing questions, Kevin. What do I need to do? Oh, it's over here. Q&A. Um, so that's, and then, what is the connection between the Chiari surgery and the tailbone and the low back? What is the only tissue that runs from the f- skull and the foramen magnum and attaches at the tailbone? Dura. The dura. Nobody else on the planet can treat dural adhesions. Yes. So if you look up what they did during the surgery, a laminectomy at C1 to relieve pressure from a medical perspective makes some sort of sense. Um,
1: Do you want me to continue reading? What happened? Oh, no.
0: Okay. The thing is this is already, this was done in 2021. So it's just a year ago, mm-hmm. but 13 and 443. Um, she said that they, she ran that actually. It, well, and it's not a one does it fix because it's the spinal cord, the blood vessels, the nerves, yeah. and the and the dura. Does that make sense if you look yeah. at the anatomy? Yeah. And it's and it's very gentle movement because now they made the foramen Magnum bigger by taking off the back of her skull. So there's nothing to prevent the cerebellum from dropping down to about C2. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. So you have to treat trauma in the cerebellum 40 and 10, 13 and 443, and it's not a one visit fix. This is yeah. a yeah. okay, so go on with the history because it's gonna get worse.
1: No, that that was um, um, that was all the history that she's providing. And then she just said upon assessment, she can feel pressure on bilateral lower extremities when touched, but cannot feel temperature. We observe that she has no problems bending down or forward to play with our therapy dog. She states she's always been loved by family, denies any childhood or emotional issues. They've done five FSM, three acupuncture sessions, no improvement. The only change she notices is when we run 40 and 89. She states a feeling of difference in pain, but level remains.
0: Okay.
1: Um, and then they go on to say what they've tried. Um, SCP, um, 40 and 10, shock trauma, low back pain, remove anesthesia, cervical trauma, fibro, central desensitization, 40 and 10, 81 and 10, essentials on Dura, and 710 facets, 124 and 10, 4396, essentials on 97, emotional factors. Active range of motion with 13, with cord, nerve, dura, um, and uh, sclero- 397, sclerosis, and the
0: adipose. That in five sessions. Okay, so here's what I'm going to suggest. Do less for a longer time. Yes. And you do that with multiple machines. So you have one machine that only runs 40 and 10. You have a second machine that only runs 40 and 89 and you have a third machine that runs on the auto care or in the custom care mode bank, it's going to be subacute cerebellum because the cerebellum just got beat up. The no temperature sensation, um, she feels pressure, which probably means she also feels vibration, but the lack of pressure, uh, temperature, is it on both sides? So here's, here's the thing. If you look up what that surgery involves, it's brutal. It's horrendous. So the potential exists if you look up, where the pathways cross in the spinal cord and in the medulla. If you have temperature on one side or both sides, if it's both sides, you have to look where the pathways cross and then you can pinpoint the trauma. So you may where the temperature and pressure, good for you, Nancy, by the way, of testing temperature, sharp, which is pain, pressure, and vibration. By testing those three on both sides, you'll be able to tell, and then up, you'll be able to tell where in the spinal cord or the brain stem the injury is, right? So it's do less, because now it's kind of like just throwing it against the wall and see what sticks. Right. My approach has been to take my best shot, do less scarring in the Dura that that ship sailed. They trashed her Dura when they did the surgery. If you look where the Dura attaches, that's, and if you look at what they did, what they did was remove her occipital bone. And if you look at the nerves that go up the back of her skull, they're damaged or gone. So 40 and 89 will help, but it, it's multiple machines and there's emotions are not a thing. This is a, a bad outcome from a surgery that probably shouldn't have been done. The time that she needed to see you was 2020 prior to the Chiari surgery. But there are times when that just that ship sailed. So run all of them at one time for 60 to 90 minutes and see what you get. It's not going to last. So if you can get her pain down during the session by doing just the, it's three machines, maybe four. 40 and 10. If her lower legs are tight, 81 and 10. Second machine, because what they did was damage her brain stem or the spinal cord. If you look at where the pathways cross, and I can't remember where that diagram is. I think it's in one of the neurology books and Netter might have some. You look at where the temperature and pressure, it's kind of like a brown sequard. Right. Right? So you may need 40 and 10, 81 and 10. Um, there's that brown sacquard patient with the burst fracture at T4 that I treated where we got temperature back by treating the spinal cord. Right. For 40 and 81 at the same time got rid of his body pain. Yeah, this is advanced neurology. And okay, it is on both sides, then it's up high. Um, I've Where's Ben Ctholi when I need him? Because he has all these things in his brain. But if it's temperature, if she's lost temperature on both sides, um, that'll tell you where where the damage is, and I can't remember. I don't I have a picture of the pathways, but I don't have it memorized. Right. So if it's on both sides, it'll tell you where the where the damage in the cord is, and I'm gonna guess it's up high because otherwise they cross in the spine. And if it's on both sides, it's above where they cross, I think, or at the level where they cross. They right. might cross around C1. So if you take the lamina off of C1, uh, imagine what that does to spinal stabilization and they put screws in. I'm assuming to stabilize it. Did they Nancy? Yeah. 124 is not a thing. It's, it's yes, whatever it is, is 124, but you can't fix it. You can't, if they've damaged the pathways that carry temperature sharp or vibration, that's, that's done, you can't put tissue back that's not there. So I wouldn't even use 124, 40, 81 with the spinal cord, 40 and 89, if that helps. If it doesn't change it, there are, yeah, then there are times when, if you can get her down from a seven to a five, you can kind of sort of have a life at a five, can't have a life at a seven. Mm If she's on a particular dose of gabapentin, have her take more at night. I'm assuming that her, her pain is worse at night. Is that correct? No, you, you you don't have to say I can't help. It's just try something different. Try my way of doing it. Less is more, but it takes three or four f- machines. I would probably have four precision cares on her and a custom care. So you can run... Um, Emotional relax and balance, or actually, I'd run concussion in Vegas, but subacute cerebellum, subacute hindbrain, that would be worth running on a custom care while (laughs) you're doing everything else. Because her basically, without with when they remove the occiput, they make room for the brain to be pulled down into the spinal canal. But if her dura is adhered, You're going to have to just do straight up 13 and 443 and 13 and 10. And the movements are very gentle. She can bend over and pet her dog. That's interesting.
1: But it's also a macro movement. We talked about this before. When you've got trauma, something that's torn, something that's been surgically altered. The macro muscles, the helper muscles are, are going to be summoned to help. So when we talk about, you know, movement through 13 or movement, you know, 13 loves to be moved and mobilized. We're not talking about taking somebody like this and having them like touch their toes and come back. It's super gentle segmental motion because you just want to create that tensile pull and healthy muscle contraction where it needs to be restabilized.
0: Talking so, about five degrees of motion in the upper cervical spine because she doesn't have an upper cervical spine.
1: Right. So the other thing I could that this is where my brain is going is segmental taping along the spinal cord because there is no stability so sometimes when we work with taking away um when we use 13 to help take away scar tissue and that scar tissue is what's holding a segment together those pain generators are going to go up because your nervous system is already on high alert that there's something unstable going on so when you remove the scarring even though it's not healthy That's just another trigger to say "Ah, ah, ah," more trauma, we're unstable, increase poor muscle tone, increase fatigue equals increased pain. So you might want to incorporate something to help stabilize. I'm not saying that like retraction exercises are going to necessarily be the turning point,
0: but. If they took away the lamina, the C1 is a ring. Yeah. Taking off the lamina at C1 there is no thing for the rectus capitis posterior minor to attach to yeah there is no thing for the obliquus capitis superior and inferior to attach to right it's the the lamina is gone right so those there is no stabilization up there so right. i'm hoping they put screws in right but if you look at netter the the um the nerves that come out between the occiput C one and C two, it's like a it's like a hand. It goes up the back of the head. Right. So I'm assuming she has. Um, I'm assuming she has headaches, and she has gabapentin. Okay. Yeah. So functioning on gabapentin is really an interesting life challenge. Um, but yeah, taping, I, wow.
1: None of, I think to summarize, like none of this is gonna, I don't, reading this, it doesn't surprise me that only after five treatments, there hasn't been any significant change. And I'm guessing you're probably not seeing her for longer than an hour at a time, because this would be somebody that I would see for three hour blocks. In the clinic, Um, you know, and yeah, two hour treatment and then half an hour before and after just doing assessment, movement, stabilization exercises and taping. So for me, this would be a two and a half, three hour patient every time I saw her and getting her to get a custom care to run things at night, because this is this is a lot. There's a reason why we couldn't read it yesterday or
0: last week. Yeah, twice a week for four to six weeks. That's 12 sessions. You've had five and you've been kind of all over the map, right? So maybe, um, refine it just a little bit. I'm really impressed. Well, actually not surprised, but impressed that you did the, the full sensory exam. And it's you just identify. Cause I don't have it in my head. Ben Catholi would know, but, and so would Dave Burke. Um, And I just want to download their brains. So look at the pathways and find out where temperature and um, vibration and um, cross and where it is. So temperature is what's gone bilaterally. So she can't feel heat and that's in her full body. So where in her body can like if you put a an ice cube can she tell it's cold anywhere all the way up or is is there a place so I'm gonna guess that the damage is up in her medulla and it's twice a week for four to six weeks less frequencies longer time and see her at the end of the day when you don't have to be home on time so these patients back when I had a busy practice, I'd pull these patients in at five o'clock and just plan on not being done until eight. These days when we open oh my gosh, we got pictures and things hung in the clinic. Yes. And wait, there's, so this sign is in the waiting room and in the hallway is it backwards?
1: There is hope here.
0: Yeah. And Kevin had the make in the stickers. But this nice. is what the sign looks like. Nice. And it's 18 by 40. Yeah. And it is in the waiting room and it's in the hallway. And then the same graphic artist that created this created um, ex- be realistic expect a miracle. Right. But be patient. The impossible takes slightly longer than the difficult. And Nancy, that's what you have to tell this patient. Right. I won't give up if you won't give up. And we haven't tried everything yet. So let's try a longer session. And more specific with it. Yeah. And and see. And the low back pain started. Probably as a 40 and 10 thing or because of the positioning So during that surgery, they're laying face down. And that, right? So the surgeon is not working from with her supine with her knees up. Mm -hmm. That's ask her how long the surgery took. And she would have been positioned with her face down, her head screwed into place. And her lumbar spine was compressed for probably three hours. If they did it all at one time, the craniotomy and C1. Um, So the lumbar facets can just be positional. She was on her stomach for five hours and who lays on their stomach for five hours. Mm -hmm. And then in PACU and post anesthesia care, they also had her on her stomach because all of the wounds and the drains and everything were in the back. I'm gonna guess, that's a guess. So that's where the low back came from, that's red herring. Then they RF the low back because they don't know what else to do. And when you RF a joint radio frequency ablate the nerves, they grow back within about a year and they have an opinion about being burned. And they arborize. It's like if you ever have rose bushes and you prune them. So you prune the rose bush, and where you prune it, you prune one stem, three stems grow back. That's called arborization. It's how you create an arbor, is you keep pruning it, and they keep growing. So RF of joints, you read the medical literature that last, they last a year. And then they do another one and then they do another one and then they do another one. And when that doesn't work, they put in a pain pump. So as long as the patient has good insurance, they're going to keep having surgeries like this. So that's just, that's just, and they're, I've had patients who've had this surgery and I've never, it's, it's always like this. I've never had one where they did a laminectomy of C1. That's Mm -hmm. just like, when you think about the anatomy that's there and the pain in her coccyx is because of what they had to do to her dura. So in order, in order to take the back of your skull off, the dura attaches to the rectus capitis posterior minor. There's, it's direct attachment. They had to cut that. In order to take that off, they're very careful with the dura because they don't want to rupture it. Right. But they pulled on it. Where's the dura attach? The tailbone. Right. So she has low back pain because she laid on her stomach for five hours. Who would do that? I couldn't do that. No. She has tailbone pain because somebody pulled on her dura and the dura attaches at the tailbone. Right. So when you can see the pattern, pattern recognition has to do with looking at the mechanism and figuring out what came from what. If they are F the lumbar facets, it's there is no permanent solution. You have to keep treating the lumbar facets, quieting the nerves, especially, because when they RF or radio frequency ablate, the um the joints, what they what they're doing is um burning the nerves. They right. heat them up. Right. And um so, as you're treating, when you treat, give her a custom care with low back facets on it, you have to increase when you look at that protocol, the subacute facet protocol, take out 284 and take the time that you gain by taking out 284 and everything, take the time that you gain and spend it on 40 and 396. Right? Quiet the nerves, quiet the inflammation that's jacking up the nerves. And the nerves, after a radiofrequency ablation, the nerves are the pain generators. The bone, yes. The cartilage, yes. Um, the periosteum and 5930. The whole facet protocol makes sense, but you have to increase the time on the nerves because of what's done to the nerves by radiofrequency ablation. Does that make sense? It does. And there's no reason you should know this. No. By the way. Right.
1: And this is why I wanted to talk about it. And it took the time that it did because sorry. it's a lot. No, it's good. Um, that is our show for today. I have one quick announcement, though, before we head off. Um, we have, oh, your hopeful sign. Oh, that's very
0: good. This is the alphabet exercises that I give patients Oh, nice. Yes. The Word document to the same artist.
1: Yeah. And
0: he turned it into this. Beautiful. All of the alphabet words are in here. Now, he made Hopeful the biggest one. I would have made Bliss the bi- biggest one. Right. But James gets to vote. And so we are doing a 24 by 36 inch poster for the office. Nice. I had him make an 8x10 version that you can print off in your office. Nice. Kevin's going to create, I haven't told Kevin this yet, but Kevin's going to create an 8x10 version that you can print on stiff paper Yeah. and send home with the patients and tell them to stick it up in the bathroom mirror. What great homework. Isn't it? And it's more fun, I think, than reading a word document
1: absolutely very nice very nice well like i said our my last announcement before we head off for today and the questions um keep them coming to us so we can um stack them up but the advanced um hotel block ends on this friday so if you have not gotten your room for the advance please do so they are almost sold out bursting at the seams Everything is almost sold out for our courses. It's so exciting. I can't wait. So that's my one big announcement. If you have not got your hotel rooms, please book them before Friday because that's when our blocks expire.
0: And if you're going to come to the advanced, let us know. We have to try and figure out what there is going to be live stream. <clears throat> There's no vaccine requirement, but we are going to have masks available available. Um, the ballroom is, holds 300 and we're going to increase the distance to six feet between the chairs, yeah. um, and hope for the best. Um, it's up to you as to whether or not you get vaccinated before you go. Um, and Arizona has no requirements, so we don't have any requirement, neither does the hotel. Right. Um, it's just up to your own personal risk tolerance. I'm so excited. I can. Yeah, I I can't hardly wait to get there. I'm so excited to be going to Cleveland tomorrow. Yay. Uh, like, yay. I get to hug Dave Burke in person. Oh, lucky you. Yeah.
1: Okay. Okay. I'm signing off for another week. What a great chat it was today. It yeah. always is.
0: Thank you for showing up and for getting well enough that you could do that.
1: Hey, it's just, you know, it's what I do.
0: That's what we do.
1: We, we just keep on going. All right, everybody. See you all next week. See you next Bye. Week. Bye. The Frequency Specific Microcurrent podcast has been produced by Frequency Specific Seminars for entertainment, educational, and information purposes only. The information and opinion provided in the podcast are not medical advice, do not create any type of po- doctor-patient relationship, and unless expressly stated, do not reflect the opinions of its affiliates, subsidiaries, or sponsors, or the hosts, or any of the podcast guests or affiliated professional organizations.